Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Tuesday, September the 13th, 2022, 7 a.m. here in Spotswood, and I hope that you had a very pleasant Monday, that your week is off to a very good start, and uh, that you're excited to be here with me this morning, whether it is morning or maybe it's who knows when? Maybe it's later this afternoon. Maybe it's not September 13th, 2022. It might be 2023 or who knows when. But I'm glad that we have this time together and that the Lord has brought you here, um, especially because of where we are today. Yesterday, we were blazing through John chapter 9, this uh, instance, the sign that Jesus offered. And remember, the value of the sign is in what the sign points to namely Jesus's identity, the fact that the kingdom of God is at hand, but Jesus performs this miraculous sign of healing the man that was born blind. He does so by making mud with the earth, putting it on the man's eyes, sending him to the pool at Siloam and telling him to go and wash. The man did so, and miraculously he was healed. Now, the interesting thing is the aftermath, not to say that that isn't interesting, it's it's miraculous, y'all. It's amazing. Nevertheless, um, the aftermath is what really is fascinating here. And we started with the aftermath yesterday, where um, as soon as this happens, and as soon as the people actually believe it's the man that was born blind, they take this man to the Pharisees. The reason they do that, do that is because Pharisees were seen as the head of the synagogue. They were also the center of the community. They were the authorities on the law. Whenever anything miraculous happened, obviously you would report it to the Pharisees. They're the dudes in charge, right? So they did this with the man born blind and immediately. Now, the question is, would they have done this no matter what day Jesus had done it on? Yeah, they would have. If he had done this on a Friday instead of on the Sabbath, they still would have found a reason to be upset about it because they rejected Jesus. Okay. But nevertheless, the fact that Jesus did this, worked this miracle, performed this sign on the Sabbath day, well, automatically, verse 16, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Now here, their hypocrisy really is exposed, that they have totally lost they, they, they pretend to be so concerned about the Sabbath, right? And they have all of these crazy laws. And and I mentioned, you know, a couple of days ago, this idea of, of the Sabbath. You can't spit on the Sabbath. If you do, it might hit some dust or some dirt, and then it would turn into mud, and you'd be guilty of cultivating the soil. Come on, y'all. Do you, do you really think that that's what the Lord had in mind when he gave the law to Moses to give to his people? Um, as years would progress past this, Jews would not get any better or lighter with these things. Eventually, they'd say things like, you're not allowed to look in a mirror on the Sabbath. Now, I wouldn't have this affliction, um, but back in the day, they'd say, you can't look in a mirror because you might see a gray hair. And if you see a gray hair, you might be tempted to pluck it out, to pull it out. And if you pull it out, well, then you would be guilty of harvesting on the Sabbath. Is that really harvesting? Come on. Yeah, you couldn't wear your false teeth because they might fall out and then you'd have to bend over to pick them up. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. They totally miss what the Sabbath was for, namely glorifying God. It's the Lord's Day. We honor the Lord. We remember it to keep it holy. And they completely lost these things. So that was their first reaction. We know that they're a divided group because the second part of verse 16 says, but others ask, 
how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided, right? And so the answer that they come up with is, all right, let, let's, let's bring the man in. Let's question the man, okay? Where we left off yesterday um, it was very sad, right? They brought the man in. They asked him, uh, what, what have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. Now, remember, he didn't know that Jesus was the Son of God yet. That's coming, and he's going to profess faith. But even this is bold. Nevertheless, they're not satisfied. So they bring in the man's parents. And where we left off yesterday was with this sad scene where his parents had the opportunity to testify concerning who Jesus is. They had the opportunity to praise the Lord. You know, as a parent myself, as I've never had to deal with a situation like this. Some of you probably had. It's terrible to be sick. It's worse when your child is sick. You know, had these people spent endless nights praying for their son's healing, for the Lord to intervene in his life, we don't know. But y'all, it seems like, doesn't it, that they would be absolutely overjoyed that this adult son of theirs who had been blind his whole life, he can now see. But they're not. Or if they are, they hide it. And at the end, what's the net result? It doesn't really matter what they are because they had the opportunity to praise and thank God for what God had done in their son's life. And what did they say? They said, hey, listen, leave us out of it. He's of age. This is his deal. You just ask him. And we're told why. Uh, they knew that the Pharisees could throw him out of the synagogue. That meant, that, and y'all, the synagogue is not, it, it was the visible church. However, if you got thrown out of the synagogue, you lost your your moral standing. You lost your social standing. The synagogue was the center of commerce. I mean, it was hugely problematic to be thrown out of the synagogue. However, it's worth it compared to denying the Lord Jesus Christ. And they chose to deny Christ. So what are the Pharisees going to do next? Well, we're going to read that starting in verse 24. But before we do, let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word, for all of the practical ways that it shows us who you are, who your son is, what your son came to do, and what he is still doing right now. Um, help us to not be those parents who were ashamed of you, but instead help us to be ready to glorify your name. Now, as we go into this time, we pray that you would guide us by your Holy Spirit, and we pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so John chapter 9, verse 24, is where we are picking up today. It says this, it says, A second time they summoned the man who had been born blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied. Now, again, they're showing their hand. Immediately, they're saying two things. They're saying, number one, we know Jesus is a sinner. And number two, don't you love how they put it? You know, after Jesus has done this miraculous, wonderful thing for this man, nobody, I'm sure people would have helped him, but nobody could heal him. After Jesus healed him, do you get how insidious, how diabolical these Pharisees are? Because they start with, give glory to God. That's another way of saying, all right, here's your opportunity to come clean. Here's your opportunity to really tell the truth. So, Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner, right? How would he reply? Well, we can read it. Verse 25, he replied, 
Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Y'all, we talked about this, and Paul's for a second. We talked about this last week. I talked about this Sunday morning. Kevin DeYoung, pastor, he, he has a great, great, great quote that's out there. He, he actually tweeted it. Um, it was on Twitter. Not, I think it was 2018. He talked about the fact that we are natural evangelists for the people and the things that we love. Okay. Um, I talked about this with the youth group more in depth on Sunday night. You know, this idea of evangelism, telling people about Jesus, so many people can freeze at the prospect of that, right? It, it, it makes them tense. It frightens them. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. They're worried about what they're going to say. You know, the list goes on and on of, 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 of ways to uh, people falsely approach this. You know, but locally here, if I said, tell me about Riverheads football. Oh, man. Yeah, where do we start? Let me tell you all about it. I'll tell you about the coach that was there for a long time. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Riverheads football. Please understand me. Um, we can do the same thing with, well, tell me about why you drive a Chevy instead of a Ford or a Dodge instead of a Chevy or why your tractor is green as opposed to why your tractor is red or why you think that this is the best type of tomato to plant or that. And we could go on and on, y'all. Um why is Coke better than Pepsi or why is Pepsi better than Coke? We can have all sorts of discussions about this. Favorite TV shows. Why Bob Barker was a better host for The Price is Right than Drew Carey. We can talk about these things. But when we start thinking about the prospect of talking about Jesus, sometimes we can get so, so caught up in the concept and the idea that we freeze. Y'all, we're natural evangelists for the things that we love, for the things that we really enjoy, for the things that we see value in. And we shouldn't complicate evangelism because you know what it looks like? It looks like this right here. Now, I'm not, I'm not excusing the fact that he doesn't say immediately, no, Jesus isn't a sinner. Remember, he doesn't really know who Jesus is yet. He's going to meet Jesus and he's going to find out, okay? So... We need to cut him some slack there on this. His interaction with Jesus has been oh so brief, but Jesus is coming coming back and, and to interact with him. And that's when he's going to fully place his faith in. But evangelism for him in this moment is saying, I, I don't know. I don't know. You're saying this about him. I don't know. But let me tell you what I do know about Jesus. What I know is what he's done for me. Y'all, this is the best evangelism that you can take part in. This is the most authentic way to testify to Jesus Christ because it's real. It's not some lofty idea floating out there in the hypothetical. When you are willing to tell other people what Jesus has done for you, it's not about some principal way out there. It's about you. It's about your life. And theoretically, they know you. And they should be able to see him in you. What an example this blind man offers us. This blind man who only had sight for a few hours at this point, And yet he sees so much more than the Pharisees ever saw. The account keeps on going. <clears throat> Verse 26. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, 
I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Oh, y'all, if there was a microphone involved, he would have gone, you know, microphone drop here. I don't, this, to me, the man born blind has got to be one of the most fascinating characters in the New Testament. We don't know anything about his past other than he was born blind. That is all we know. We don't know much about what's going to happen with him in the future. Yeah, but right here, right now, the boldness, the boldness to say to these Pharisees, his parents cowered before him. Oh, no, 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 no. You, you deal with our son. He's of age. You ask him, leave us out of it, right? But what does he say to them? Why do you want, you didn't listen the first time. What, you want to hear now so you can become his disciples too? And that indicates something. If he's asking them so you can become his disciples too, it's indicating that this man is making the choice to follow Jesus, though he doesn't know everything about him. He's going to follow him because he knows what Jesus did for him. And that was enough. As a side note, that's enough for you too. It's enough for me too. We know that Jesus came to, to pay for our sins, to take all of our sins upon himself, to suffer and die on the cross. That alone is enough. But if you consider it, if you pay attention to what the Lord has done in your life, oh my goodness, you will see time and time again, his faithfulness, his love, his mercy, his provision. Nevertheless, that's how this man deals with these Pharisees. Oh, the boldness, the cheek of it, right? And he's not being ugly. He's not being mean, but man, alive is he putting them in their place. As a result of this, we see verse 28. Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. This man, the man answered. Now, that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Remember how chapter 9 starts? Starts with verse 1. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. Now, Jesus is going to go on to say, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. But the Pharisees were very quick to answer the question. They're wrong because the Pharisees answered this question by saying, you were steeped in sin at birth. In other words, the Pharisees considered this man born blind and they said, yeah, he was born blind because he's a terrible sinner. Was it because they believed that his soul had transferred out? I don't know. We're not even going to get into that. It doesn't matter. They were judge, jury, and executioner for this man. Because he pointed out to them where they were wrong. You know, very clearly he lays out this logical path, right? He, the Pharisees come to him, oh, we know he's a sinner. And very logically, this man concludes, how can he be a sinner? 
Nobody does this. I mean, who's ever heard of a man being cured of blindness that was born blind? Now, there were all sorts of things that happened when people were losing their vision. Um, a full-on cure for being blind? Not likely at all, but especially a man that was born blind, that had never had the use of his eyes at all. This man says, if he weren't from God, how could he do this? God only listens to those who do his will, to the godly man who does his will. Now, again, he still doesn't know who Jesus is. Not really. But this logical pathway that he's on only makes sense. It's only right. And the Pharisees respond to this not by interacting with this true statement that he has laid out, not by even challenging themselves concerning this statement. We know at the start that they're divided over this, that some of them say, look, he did this on the Sabbath, he's a sinner. Others are responding to this by saying, well, is he, though? How can he be a sinner and do these things? Does that mean that that group of people has left at this point? I don't know. I don't know. But, y'all, what I do know is that original group, maybe it's been added to, they have completely rejected Christ. Totally. Now, what's going to happen next? Well, next, Jesus is going to come to the man. And Jesus is going to interact with them. But we're going to save that for tomorrow. For today, <clears throat> let me ask you, what do you see? Who do you see? Who do you keep your eyes focused on? Will you be like the Pharisees and reject? Will you be like the blind man who really sees and who offers testimony? I hope it is the latter. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us. And we pray your blessings on us as we seek your face. Oh, Father, that we would see, that we would understand, that we would know you, that we would love you. Let us be like this blind man, quick to offer testimony. But as we will see tomorrow, let us understand who your son and our Savior really is. And we pray all of these things in his name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. I see Christine is here. Good morning. And there's Becky and Kyle. And then there's Wayne. And then Elizabeth. Man, a lot of y'all commented in. There's Becky and Rose. And uh, yes, Kyle, we talked about that a couple of days ago. You might have been here. Legalism is a hard task master. Legalism is the destroyer of joy. It turns people into the sons of hell. It's, it's a disaster. I'm not going to start preaching another sermon 19 minutes in, but we're going to address legalism head on soon. Kyle's very right. There's Helen, and then there is Monica. Good morning to you all. Lord willing, we'll see you all tomorrow morning at 7. Until then, have a wonderful Tuesday.